Hi, welcome to Zenith Podcast. I am your host, Caesar, and I'm here with Victoria Hernandez. She's a current student at Cal State Long Beach studying religion and philosophy. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being on here. I'm so excited. Me I'm so too. I'm really happy to see see you studying what you like. This is something we just previously talked about right now and how it's nice to have people studying what they like instead of going down a road that feels like, like a predestined for them like it's already made up for them so they have no choice but to follow it exactly so how did you get into religion and philosophy wow so like i've had an interesting relationship like my whole life like i grew up christian right primarily like catholic and so it wasn't until like my mom switched to christianity protestant christianity i was probably like eight years old and stuff and so i kind of followed with her I did the whole thing in cat like with Catholicism. Like I did the catechism, I got baptized, you know, and everything. But as I grew older, like, well, it's funny because one of my first experiences that helped, like, kind of made me look at religion a little bit differently was that when I was like in fourth or fifth grade, it was like my first time trying to be vegetarian, right? Because I didn't like the idea that I was eating like some farmers pets basically yeah because like well because if you think about it main foods that we eat are pork like beef chicken i consider i see those as like pets and like farm animals you know and so my mom she was telling like one of her friends at the time and they were telling me that no like god created animals so we can eat them and such and i was like what it was so strange to me and so like that for was like one of the first times i really was starting to question that idea of what my religion was. And so it wasn't until like middle school later on, you know, everyone has their own little stages and stuff like that. And so I had my little emo stage and I started questioning things again, right? And so it kind of I felt like I kind of steered away from Christianity for a bit and stuff. I was getting depressed, I was sad and such. Things weren't really answering my questions, you know, of what I was already trying to figure out. And so it was kind of strange, you know, a weird relationship. But it wasn't until, like, my second year in college or so where I took an anthropology class. And I felt like that really opened up so much for me. Like, I had a new love for monkeys again. And then I started realizing, like, so many things correlate to the core of science, right? And so, like, I started understanding the world with a different... Started trying to understand the world through a different lens through that like from that right so i kind of fell out of christianity and then i've had experiences in my life that really opened my eyes to so much more and then like i started taking classes like philosophy sociology like at mount sac and oh my god that was exactly what i needed because i started realizing that i do really well in these classes and these are actually interests and areas that like, I really like learning about the human condition. Where do we come from? Like, why do these thoughts permeate through space and time from like our whole lives, you know, like the human life? That's what philosophy comes from, right? These unanswered questions. Like, question everything, you know? Yeah. And yeah. you've you kind of had that philosophy already since at a very young age. You just started mm-hmm. questioning everything. So it's really interesting how that led to once oh so, so by the way which anthropology class was it that you took that kind of like blew like that opened that door for you um oh shoot i forgot the name of the anthropology class but 
It was really like seeing where we kind of grew, like um, evolved from like the primates and like we learned about different primates and monkeys and such and like how it, we got to here basically. I forgot the name of it, but yeah, it was that one anthropology class that really opened up doors for me. It's funny enough. <laughs> Interesting. So from anthropology, then you got into philosophy and through philosophy, like how did your emphasis in religion like stem from or like how like what seed, like how did that seed get planted that eventually bloomed to you want to focus on religion? Well, one of the things I truly believe in is that when you start to follow your passions, doors open up for you. Like things really come to you that really wants to help you pursue that. So I started taking these classes and I got through, like through my work and stuff, I was working out of school and um, this teacher that I was working with, she recommended this one lady to work with, right? She, her name is Joy and she has an autistic son. And she told me if I um, work with her, if I get to know her, it can help me with what I'm trying to do, right? Pretty much at the time I was trying to go to Peru and stuff. And so she thought, if you want to raise money, you can work with this lady. So this woman particularly, she is like one of the most incredible individuals I've ever met because I felt like our relationship were meant to happen because she became this mentor for me. She's the one that helped me understand like there's so much more to life than this. And because of her, she introduced me this individual named Joseph Campbell, and he's a mythologist and what was it at the time? And he really opened up the idea of like what myths are, mythologies, right? And from that, I started picking, piecing things together, like religions, like, okay, for myths come from certain religions, different cultures from different time and place. And I'm like, I think from there, that's when I started really seeing like, wow, religion itself permeates through what really is one of the main foundations on why we establish ourselves as humans, whether we like to say that we're religious or not. Even like the lack of religion defines us, right? People who are atheists or agnostic, that brings a foundation to what they believe in, to what they're trying to do in life, right? So like going into the subject of seeing what religions hold, I want to really understand what is it that we do on this level? I mean, like psychology helps with that too, right? Like what is our process of thinking and stuff? But religion has this sacredness. And I feel like there's an area of like, I guess what religion is itself is that individuals trying to connect to the divine. I feel like that's what a religion is. And I love that. There's like some type of mysterious boundary that we should be willing to cross in order to develop ourselves as humans in our special lives that we continue to live. And I think like understanding religions and philosophy like like creates this area of understanding history, understanding sociology, understanding how our minds developed over time. And so like Religion itself, I think, created a pathway for me to really connect with not with just my personal spiritual journey, but also it helps me encapsulate like the whole like human history of what they've been trying to do to connect to the divine. And 
how would you describe the divine? Is it like an external source of energy that is kind of like beyond this life that we live? Or like, yeah, like how would you describe the divine? Hmm. Well, like, I feel like that can be used in so many other terms. Like people want to say God. People want to say like, um, you know, the, the big guy up there or something. But I don't really believe in the big guy with the beard and stuff. I think the divine is really the idea of what creates all of this. It is the the being that really pushes things along in its way. You know, like um the divine itself is this energy and I can one of my theories on what I really believe what God is, the divine and such is love. And love itself is this energy that we can't really understand fully i completely agree i i started thinking about what is love and i and i totally the same thing came to my head where love is energy it's not just an emotion it's, it goes beyond that because love is something that's kind of crucial to human life you know it's something that's always been here and it's not even just a human life but throughout life in general you know mm-hmm. animals like like there's and there's specific species of animals that have lifelong partners mm-hmm. that's obviously a product of love not just of mating and biological mm-hmm. reproduction you know and love it like I, I agree in which it's kind of like a source of energy in which it takes not just time of like it it, it it takes more than time it takes more than effort but it takes i guess like i mean com- a source of commitment but voluntary and involuntary mm-hmm. you know yeah like it's like it's I'm glad that you like brought about like certain animals and other species try to like work with what love is. You know, like dogs really show how much they love their owners or beings in general. Penguins, they're monogamous, you yeah. know, they like to find their own little partner and mate with them and stuff. And you know, I think like love and like even plants, plants itself, like I kind of see like how love is shown through plants is when like certain flowers or something when they try to face their source of life which is the sun flowers guide their your their little petals looking for the sun and i think that is a natural energy a gravity that takes us to wanting to connect with our creator our being in a sense you know yeah and so love itself like i think it's this energy we can't really put our finger on but it's always been there but it really does travel through time and space. We tell stories about it. We have examples of it. Like love motivates us into things that we do. And again, like even lack of love really does create this, create paths for us that we didn't know that we're going to go into. You know what I mean? So like some people who unfortunately have had traumatic childhoods or something, you know, lack of love, they were shown something completely different grow up to be, you know, maybe like sociopaths or maybe they just don't know how to like understand how to love, how to give love, how to offer, how to receive love, you know? And I think what makes us more whole human beings or individuals is really loving, loving our community, loving our people, loving ourselves. You know, I feel like that's a huge thing that we need to do and like kind of work on oh yeah totally i actually have this story of uh, this person i just met about a month ago at my job i went to a different store 
I'd worked there for a week. So I got to meet a lot of different people who work in a company, but I don't work with them because we work at different stores. And this person was telling me how she just got out of a relationship of like three years. Mm-hmm. That was her first and only relationship. And it's been uh, it's been really hard for her, you know. And she was telling me this as like, I'm a stranger, you know. And the way I saw it, like when I told, like I was telling her that what you're feeling right now is heartbreak, you know, but you have to make sure to feel that as well, because that is also part of love. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that you feel this proves that the love you had with this person was real, you know, and this is just a process of you to process what's, what was going on and process what love is, because love isn't just the amazing parts, but it's also the pain. It's a spectrum. It's a source of energy. It's not just positive. It's not energy. It's a balance, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I told her that, she didn't, like, she never thought of it that way. So she was very, like, oh, like, interesting. Obviously, it's easier said than done, you know, right. to process and make sure that you feel the bad stuff. But you can't just ignore or suppress the heartbreak, you know, because that kind of not diminishes, but it takes away from the full experience of the love that you've experienced for that specific event or that specific person, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's so important to learn from heartbreaks. I'm so glad that you mentioned that to her because like people, like what people try to do is try to get away from pain, right? It's easy just to like avoid it or when it comes to just like not deal with it or just trying to push it or sweep it underneath the carpet, you know? But no, like we need to learn from pain because how are we going to grow and understand ourselves if we try to, if we don't understand what hurts us, you know? So like people who have experienced a really bad heartbreak, feel like they, some may feel like they're not worthy of love or they just don't know how to look for love or they did themselves wrong because they give their self, they gave themselves to a per- person and the relationship ended up, you know, not working out. But it's like when you're able to come out of the heartbreak, out of the relationship, what is it that brought you there? Is there something that you need? Is there something that you're lacking? Is there something that helped you grow? And so I think these are pivotal moments in our lives that really help shape us into being the best people we can be. Because, like, through heartbreak and misery, like, it's it's always going to happen. This life is sad to say, but it's so true. But life is suffering. The Buddhists, like, see that. The Buddhists say that, you know, in order to live through the sufferings of the world, we have to be in joyful participation with it. So recognize that no matter what, there's going to be pain, there's going to be heartbreaks, there's going to be death, there's going to be sorrow. But how do we change our frame of thinking to work with it, to live with it, to endure it, to embrace it, you know? Because it's only through participation in the sorrows we can really become whole and understand ourselves and really get through life's hardest trials, you know? Yeah, I mean, wow, I... That that does make a lot of sense. And going off of that, I feel like when it comes to pain, you know, it definitely, that's that's probably like a feeling that a lot of people really do. Um, they feel emotionally, they feel physically, but sometimes it's hard for them to like totally understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I one mentality that helped me kind of start doing, start understanding what pain is, is to 
focus on like like what can I learn from this, you know? Right. And I it's funny because I got this philosophy off of Star Wars mm-hmm. in uh, Yoda. He says um, failures are the greatest teachers, mm-hmm. you know? And that, like, failure could be anything, you know, from, oh, like, I got I got a parking ticket or I got a speeding ticket. Oh, like, you know, a failed relationship or, oh, I just failed a test or just little things like that, you know? It's just, it's it's the mentality that you go in when it comes to these hard parts that lead you out of them mm-hmm. you know yeah like these are like failures are things that shows us what we need to work on you know and so like it's either we can like we can fail at something and you know be all sad about it and be like well darn it well i stink at that and stuff and kind of leave it or are you going to work on it are you going to build from it are you going to really try to understand that failure and work on it to be a better person you know like how can you learn from that situation because i feel like all in life is about retrospect like it's really understanding our actions our way of thinking and such and so like failures are super important because it really helps define who we are because each person is special individual and different right like you with your life that you've grown up you have like certain failures that you've experienced certain pains that I probably don't understand, but only you know, right? And so if you are able to really look back and see what really hurts you and learn from it, understand it, you can really use that to your best advantage to become more stronger, you know, more resilient when the next, like, pain comes forward, like, your way and stuff. Like, you can learn to be resilient and welcome it rather than trying to, like, hide from it or something or fight it you know we can't fight pain we have to learn to welcome it and really learn from it yeah and it's a i um you talking about buddhist it reminds me of a friend who just is recently having like an awakening of it and mm. he's telling me how life is full of dips you know highs and lows mm-hmm. and how being aware of the dips you know understand that they're dips, you know, yeah, like you are going to reach rock bottom at one point or not even rock bottom. You are going to reach a low point of your life, but that's not going to be the end of it. Yes, exactly. And like Buddhism really helps like understand that. And what's so great about like what religion offers, understanding different cultures from different times is that myths, like stories from those times tell us about stories of heartbreak and these dips in life that we fall into these pits that we kind of see ourselves in and it's like through these old ancient stories that's been told through time and through centuries even they are like the core like their core values is to help us understand that our pains and our suffering these dips that we put ourselves in is universal you know even though we might feel alone in it there are stories that can help us rise up from those things and i feel like that's what makes mythology so important to know to understand especially in our cultures you know and so like in our times today and stuff and so like if you feel like you're in a specific little funk you know you can't get yourself in it's a is a depressive episode do you realize that you're so bankrupt that you don't have a house to live in anymore blah 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 people have different you know fails why what can we learn from it? Is there anything that we can, can we relate to, to like, so that we can 
understand ourselves yeah there's stories that can that talk about certain situations specific situations what can we learn from those stories to help us get out of this funk you know and so like yeah it's really important because no matter what there's always going to be those dips and those pits that we fall in but we're not alone there's stories there's different like mythologies that help us that can provide answers to get out of those dips yeah and what how um would you say mythology and religion is different yeah in a sense like mythology itself is well the word mythology comes from the word mythos that's a greek term for stories right and so these stories kind of these stories come from the human experience right there's like stories of creation there's stories of human development and stuff and like religion comes you know is one of the main foundations of what we've experienced throughout life and so like i think that religion helps create myths and understanding myths help us understand religion in different ways you know so they kind of go hand in hand so uh, how would you describe mythology or myths so mythologies itself people think when they think of like the word myth they think of like oh it's an old wives tale or stories that are not true right like oh like um oh that's an old myth or something like that well i mean the what myths are they're just stories of the human condition and the thing is like mythologies they help us connect to a deeper part of ourselves yeah, there's stories that we probably don't, like, deal with in today's time. Like, there's mythology, like, there's myths of, like, people going into the underworld. Or there's myths of people battling dragons and such, or trying to find the elixir of life. They're like, okay, well, none of those things are true. Like, dragons and going, like, to this far distant lands and stuff. It's not so much pinpointing the things that we can't find to be true. It's more of trying to focus of what is the story trying to tell us, you know? The context of it rather than the display. Yes, exactly. Okay. And that leads me to when it, how, um You mentioned before how you really want to talk about catabasis. Mm. Yes. So what is catabasis? So the catabasis is a theme of a myth, right? So the catabasis term itself is, let's look at the word, right? It's a Greek word. Again, so kata, meaning that going down or under, under mean, right? And then basis, meaning go. So it literally means going down, going under. And so like the katabasis is a journey of a person going into the underworld to retrieve something, some type of gold, wisdom, knowledge, whatever it may be. And they're bringing it up to the original world that they were living, you know, and use that. That's literally it. That's, that's what a catabasis is. is a journey into the underworld to get some type of information, some knowledge, wisdom, or something, and then bringing it back up to our regular world and using that information to continue on with our journey. And so, like, uh, the person who goes on to the catabasis, they're called a catabitant. Right. And this relates to Joseph Campbell, the guy I was mentioning earlier. Um, his idea, well, he created this monomyth 
called the hero's journey, right? And it's this spectacular like map of a journey that each individual goes through. It's a cycle. It's a whole, it's a huge circle. And it's pretty much saying like all the different stages that we go through when we're trying to understand ourselves, this can be metaphorically used for the capatasis. When the person is going down under, the hero, the adventurer, us, the catabint, whenever we're going down under, there's a reason for that. There's a journey, right? There's a process. And so what is it that we're trying to get in from that? What is it? What's the knowledge? What's the gold that's hiding deep underneath like the world that we need to understand, you know? And so like each person has their own version of going down to the capacitors, whether we like to admit to it or not. But it's really interesting because like it is a theme in old Greek mythology. And it's actually not just in Greek. It's different like cultures like Mesopotamian cultures, Japanese, Inuits, like they all have their own way of going down under. They all have their own stories of talking about going down under to retrieve something and to use that knowledge into um, creating a better version of themselves, you know? Wow, yeah. And it's so interesting because, like, obviously I, f- I feel stories, um, mythologies based off of um, catabasis could be, like, going to the underworld but then also it could be metaphorical as in a state of mind that you're in mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and once you're down under and in, you're in that state of mind like such as you're in your dip you're in you know you're in your low you're in rock bottom that could be a, is that it can mm-hmm. can that be a form of catharsis oh yeah definitely because like what i think that these old cultures these old civilizations were trying to say that this is the union of soul and heart or soul and love, right? So the soul, the mind, the adventurer, the person who's going down under, they're trying to retrieve something to make them whole. Is it, you know, love or something? Is it something that they're trying to really make themselves whole? And so like these, like there's different ways of trying to understand it, you know? So like, it could be used metaphorically. It can be used as different stories. One of my favorite ways of understanding this in a more modern view um, comes from the um, psychoanalyst Carl Jung, right? Jung himself un, like created these like certain terminologies, the shadow, the archetypes, um, the collective unconscious, right? And pretty much what he says is the shadow is the deepest part that lurks in our subconscious, the unconscious itself, right? And so the purpose of a catabasis is trying to understand our shadow selves, the deeper part of ourselves that we push to the side that we're ashamed of. You know, everyone, we're not perfect in like beings. No one in this world is perfect. We all have um, things that we wish to be better at. We have things that we're ashamed of. We have things that we've been told that isn't good for society so we kind of like hide it you know and these are what creates the shadow you know things that we don't want to admit to they get pushed in the back of our heads like throughout our whole lives and going down under to really understand why am I like this why do I why do I always let these assholes always like why do I always get with these assholes why am I always doing this why am I why do I have an addiction why am I always losing money And it's like, where does that come from? Does that come from childhood? Most likely. Is there certain 
um, aspects in our childhood that led us here? Is there things that we were told that we shouldn't embrace? So we keep on going, finding these other routes to find happiness? No, we have to understand our deepest part of ourselves to really understand why we do we do the things that we do, you know? And so, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. And the shadow, wow. Mm-hmm. That reminds me a lot of uh, kind of, there's um, a story that, an experience I've had. But, um, so I feel like maybe there is a possible chance I might have seen my shadow met my shadow but i was not in like a average state of mind i was under the influence of psilocybin mushrooms yeah and i uh i remember like the and actually before i go into the story can these substances be used as tools to explore that Almost definitely yes i'm so glad you mentioned that because this is a whole other area where it's like people think that drugs well, okay i want to say specifically psychedelics okay psychedelics are just nonsense drugs right but are they like most psychedelics stem from plants right oh, beautiful mother earth natural exactly like, yeah. ayahuasca dmt psilocybin mushrooms peyote, these, peyote yeah. exactly these are natural occurring substances and the thing is what makes it so cool is that like There actually have been stories and sacred ceremonial rites where they use psychedelics as a way to find their, to go in their own cabatuses. For example, um, ancient Greek, there was this civilization called the Aleutians. Yeah, the Aleutians. And there's this great mystery of the Aleutian rites, right? People today, scholars today, have spent like years and years and years trying to figure out what did they, these people do? Why did they do these? Why did they have these rites, these ceremonial rites? What makes it so interesting and mind-bottling for many is that like, think of these as, okay, so the, the illusion mysteries are these ceremonial rites that these ancient Greeks would have twice a year. One in the spring and one in the um, fall coming up, right? Was it like an individual or a, or like a group slash community type a group, of ritual? A group, a community type okay. of thing. Like, it's like this big festival that people came oh, wow. for. Yeah, okay. think of it as like a pilgrimage. People literally traveled thousands of years to join this one festival. Ancient, like, um, people from all over came. Euripides, Plato, and stuff. Like, they all had their own ways of, like, talking about these strange mysterious ceremonies so the basis of these ceremonies so far that we understand is that they are supposed to they really help personify the story of persephone falling into the world of hades you know the greek myth hades is like the the gate like the underworld god right persephone was his um that he kidnaps this what um this young woman to be his bride her mother demeter the uh, the mother of grain the goddess of grain and agriculture she misses her daughter she's looking for her daughter because her daughter's been kidnapped by hades because he wants her as his wife yeah and so demeter going crazy because her child's missing right so 
what she did is that when she sees that her daughter's been missing, she kind of suspends life on earth. Since she is the goddess of grain and agriculture, she stopped like have she stopped the plants from growing. She stopped agriculture from growing and such. So there's like a dead, there's a time span where it's just death. That's what winter is. That's what fall is. Oh, Things are dying. Wow. Persephone is the goddess of spring. She's, you know, the the mother, the goddess of agriculture, spawned this beautiful goddess, and she's the goddess of spring, right? And so the underworld god wanted her as his bride. So this the illusions, they really look at the story of Persephone. She is going down under. But then the going on with the story of it is that um Demeter finally was able to get her daughter back, right? And so there has to be Zeus, the god of like the god of thunder. He was saying, okay, let's try to work something out. Persephone can be with her mother for um a certain amount of time of the year. For the remainder of the year, she can be down on earth with Hades, right? So she can have both worlds, the best of both worlds, right? Did she love Hades as well? There's some like um some people like to take this story and say that she went willingly. There are some other stories saying that she's been kidnapped and raped by Hades and stuff, and so she's forced. But I like to go with the idea that she willfully went to Hades and stuff, you know? Well, that would probably make more sense if they made this agreement where she could, like, you know, spend the best of both worlds, or else how would she allow her to, like, let herself go back to him, you know? Yeah. Well, like, in that story, Hades gave her some pomegranate seeds, which bounded her to the underworld, right? And so, basically, Persephone had to go through her own darkness, her own trials of going to the underworld and then coming back out. Exactly. And so, like, because of that story, because of that story of Persephone, we have the seasons. So, when Persephone comes back up to the world, she brings spring and summer and light. But in the days when she's in the underworld, there's fall and winter. And so that's what the Greeks made for, like, the stories of the seasons. So going back to the illusions, they took this story and saw that's core value going into the underworld, facing, like, these fears that we have of death, the underworld, and coming out of it will help us be stronger individuals. So what makes this really cool is that during these ceremonies, they wanted people to experience their own catabasis. And so how did they do that? They created this drink, and it's called um, Kikion, right? Kikion. And it was a mixture of honey, water, barley, and this one special little ingredient called ergot. Ergot is this fungus that is grown in corn and grain and such. And under much speculation scientists found that this is a psychoactive fungi you know yeah and so they found that in the kiki on these drinks they must have used this fungus in their drinks to have this mind-altering experience and so when these people drank this special drink they go into these caves and they're kind of forced willingly forced to go into their like the deepest depths of their mind and face these fears that they have. And when they're done tripping, they come out of the cave. Symbolically, literally, you know, they come out of the deepest caves and they see light. They see the world differently than what they have been them from before. So they literally were travelers of their own mind 
using the help of psilocybin or this, you know, the psychedelic little fungus and stuff that, you know, and they use that as a way to reinvent themselves. They use this as a way to become better versions of themselves. Like kind of like a rebirth or an awakening? Exactly that. Exactly that. Okay. And so like even other tribes in South America, you know, like with ayahuasca, what does ayahuasca do? Why do they have ayahuasca ceremonies? You know, people take ayahuasca primarily to overcome certain fears. People who have PTSD or depression and such, like they would turn to ayahuasca to go to these certain ceremonies to help them face those fears, you know? And that's what these do. Like the ancient civilizations knew how profound the use of these psychoactive drugs can be beneficial for our growth, our own so it allows ayahuasca allows us to like open our minds and it's interesting because i uh, i i have done a lot of research myself on ayahuasca and my my take on it is kind of how it's meant for a soul healing type of thing you know because a lot of the stories and experiences that i get that i read is that these people who take it uh, they don't describe it as like a good trip where they're seeing magical colors and rainbows but they're physically vomiting. Mm. They are, you know, like they're not having the best time of their life, but that's the point of it because they're me it's meant to kind of extinguish and release all of this negative energy that's in them, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, like it's like doing ayahuasca is not like a trip you're gonna do with your friends and something like oh let's go to like a concert or let's just hang out at home let's do some ayahuasca like no like the primary reason for this was to have this soulful adventure right yeah. and it's not a pleasant one it's not a pleasant it's one exactly yeah. there is vomiting that's a huge part of it people like to see the vomiting as you're throwing up these old parts of yourself that you don't need anymore these are aspects of ourselves that we completely shoved to the back of our mind that we're ashamed of and now that we've realized what they are throwing it up is like a way of throwing out the old news and bringing in the goodness of life it's interesting because i've had a um I've had this talk with a counselor who's told me that he had an ayahuasca experience. And so, like, he said that he went to Peru and he had this ceremony and he was in his early 20s and such, right? And so he had this profound experience. Mother Nature was speaking to him, telling him that what he needs to do to help his people and his community, right? And he became a counselor, you know, he said that Mother Nature spoke to him directly and told him, you need to expand the like awareness to your community. And so he used that as a way to become a counselor and such. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of cases where people um, they like they say that they've talked to like Mother Ayahuasca themselves. That's how like like the shamans like mm -hmm. they, they they see they reference this stuff. You know, oh, it's Mother Ayahuasca, mm -hmm. and it's so interesting how Ayahuasca itself was even created. You know, because both there's only two ingredients: the plant itself that contains DMT, and then the vine that kind of. Um, blocks the uh, receptors that because DMT, I think if it's in your brain, like it's um, there's a receptors that just like absorb it super fast. So that if someone were to just smoke straight DMT, it would only last about like 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. 
But then thanks to the vine that blocks those receptors and allows the DMT to be digested, it extends it to like about six hours or exactly. so, you know, mm-hmm. and it's mind blowing. Like it's, it's crazy to see um, just to kind of see how um, and like the people who who learn the ingredients claim that like they were shown to this by Mother, Mother Ayahuasca showed them these ingredients, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I feel that this beautiful universe is full of spirits. Or just not even just spirits itself, but like they, this universe manifests different entities to speak to us in different ways. And yeah. people are able to really communicate with them with the help of psychedelic drugs sometimes. There's some mystics who don't even need drugs and they're just like, people think they're just crazy. But they really are trying to communicate to these otherworldly entities you know because not everything is what we see dude like Like, magic is real we only live in a three-dimensional role like we only like we can only fulfill four dimensions you know like we have no idea what's going on behind be beyond our eyesight exactly and especially when it comes to dmt people like people see that as there's a book on it that literally calls it the spirit molecule you know i have that book yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh my god i really want to read that book eventually and it's it's crazy how like they see it as like it's kind of a gateway that allows you to go into like these that allows you to access these other dimensions, access these other worlds where you wouldn't be able to even comprehend mm-hmm. without it, you know? And it's like people who go beyond the boundaries and travel to these unknown worlds, when they're brought back to Earth, <laughs> you know, people would ask them, like, how was it? What did you see? And it's like you can't really describe it because it was literally an otherworldly experience and it's like trying to like trying to put into words what you experience is kind of doing it non good it's not really doing it justice yeah, because I mean, it's, it's like trying to describe a color to a blind person like exactly. you know like red mm-hmm. like well how does red look oh i mean you can give examples of red but does that help you know <laughs> yeah, like you can't do so much like you can't actually like justify what's Mm -hmm. going on exactly and so like what can we learn from these other worlds can we communicate to these different entities can we try to really understand like what is it that they're trying to tell us what can we learn you know and so ancient tribes civilizations and such like knew they knew this from even as early as they were living in the world that there's another world beyond here and with these help with the help of these drugs and such like the psychos- like these mind altering like situations can really open us up to such so much more larger things and i think religion has a huge part in that religion like really does like help us understand the divine the other worlds and all these things you know so yeah yeah, I mean, also it's crazy because didn't the Catholic Church kind of steer away from psilocybin mushrooms and stuff because they want they wanted the church itself to be kind of the transition to the divine, mm-hmm. while people who took you know psilocybin mushrooms and all these other psychedelics were able to transition and and have these divine experiences. Mm-hmm. So the Catholic Church and like like and like the Catholic Church they they kind of uh, influenced 
the anti the like like not using these because they wanted them like they wanted the church you know they wanted they wanted to be the source to do that they didn't want these substances to do that mm-hmm. because they wanted to remain in power you know, exactly like, it's literally control they yeah. want to control the minds of their followers because they are trying to say only our way is the way to reach god only through very harsh discipline through um faith that we provide for you is the only way to reach God. But these like psychoactive drugs, these are other outlets to connect to the divine. These are other ways to really understand God. And the thing is like, they're not in control of that. They don't want us to experience in our own independent ways to alter our minds, to see the true beauty of life or even the horrors of life. They want to have control and use that control to kind of manipulate our reality to follow their rules, that structure, and such. Yeah, and like psychedelics is only one excuse. It's only one example that they mm-hmm. did that to kind of use control. Like they did the exact same thing throughout the the like the awakening. You know, when people were starting to look into astronomy and evolution, and science. You know, they mm-hmm. kind of they try to stop that as much as possible because they're saying no, no, like all all the. There's only one truth, and the one truth is God and Catholicism. Yeah. And like I feel a lot of drugs are like that. A lot of, not drugs, a lot of religions, mm-hmm. like, kind of see themselves as the one truth. Exactly. And I feel like, personally, all religions do hold their place in truth. They all have their own version of truth. But the thing is, like, which one really works for you? Which one do you feel more compelled to? Like, which truth do you, do you resonate with? And the thing is, like, not all of them seem plausible to you not all of them may seem like they're all the right way and stuff each person kind of gravitates to a different one but every other religion has their own version of truth you know and so i think with my studies i like to see all the different variations of truth like oh like how does this people this people on this side of the earth kind of see the truth how do people from that same area but from thousands of years ago, see that truth. How do we see truth now and such? And so, like, religion really opens up that whole complex, like, of ideas. Interesting, yeah. And uh, just, like, kind of going back to um, using psychedelics as a tool to kind of find that truth, you know? Um, let me tell you, like, the experience I had. Oh, where I, I saw the I saw the shadows. I love hearing these. So, um I'm not going to say when or where, you know, but um, I, I was under the influence of psilocybin mushrooms. I was by myself, surrounded by nature, and I had my eyes closed. And when I had my eyes closed, I was seeing a lot of vivid images and just worlds that were just created inside of me, you know. And I saw multiple things. I uh, I saw, I'm not sure if it was a vision, but I saw um, a man and a woman with a child together cuddling happy mm-hmm. and the man kind of looked like me but i i don't know i just saw the figures of it and i felt the love that was there i felt the warmth that was there and then the thought left and i just started kind of exploring my mind and i get to this one dark place i get to this one dark corner of my mind where i when i get to this corner like imagine a literal like corner of a room that's pitch black dark and all of a sudden i see multiple pairs of eyes open up and light up and those eyes are you know they're like red yellow like orange type of thing they look 
they looked and feel very negative and evil. And they're all looking straight at me. I felt the heaviness and the weight in that corner. I felt the negative energy that was there. And it's very interesting because when I saw this, I kind of automatically knew that this these were my demons, mm-hmm. you know? When I saw them, I'm like, I know who you are, but I don't know what you are. And I was not scared. I don't know how the hell I wasn't scared. That's something I'm so happy because I, I felt like I could have easily gotten... Gone down a slippery slope. Yeah. <laughs> but I was not scared. And actually, I was like prepared to kind of face them. I was at the point oh, where, wonderful. like, who are you? What are you? You know, I was ready to walk into that dark corner and t- turn on like a light, mm-hmm. you know, and see what they are. But before I was able to do that, that thought just left mm-hmm. and I couldn't go back. I didn't even want to go back. I was just kind of like going with the flow. And that happened. And that's what those that was one of the biggest things I got from that experience was I, I, I met my demons mm-hmm. and I felt like. These mushrooms, these psilocybin mushrooms kind of wanted to show me that. Like, hey, look, like, you're not perfect. Mm-hmm. You ha- you still have these problems. You have these demons, you know? Humble yourself. Mm-hmm. And sadly, I couldn't face them, but that's what I got from them. No, even just recognizing them is a huge step. Not a lot of people are willing to go under, you know? Like, even if that wasn't, like, the sole intention of this trip, but, the like, you know, the magic of these mushrooms led you there, you know? And you, with such great courage and bravery, you were, like, able to really identify, I see that dark shadow. I see it. And it's a part of me. That is me. But even though it kind of swift away, acknowledging it and even welcoming it is a huge, huge step into really understanding yourself and really growing as the Caesar you want to be. Because some people are just really ashamed of certain parts of themselves, you know, or certain things. And like, you know, society or culture told us that there are certain aspects of human nature that we should not show, you know, and like the church does a really good job at it saying like how sex is not a good thing. And so people who have sexual urges or have sexual fantasies or certain kinks feel like they can't express them because they're going to be banned or they're going to be full of sin and stuff, you know, but no, I'm not saying, like, these are areas that are worth understanding and exploring, you know? Like, with, can I tell a little story about my... About Please, this? Yeah, so, like, there's this one time where I was having experience with mushrooms, and I was by myself. It was during the springtime, and so I was so excited. I was so happy to see the beautiful world. But it really took me down a weird, dark path that I was not expecting. There was a point when I was, like, peeking that I was literally on the floor of my room. And I was like, time seemed like it just passed. Like, I locked myself in my room because I was getting really anxious. And so I just wanted to be in my bed, right? I just wanted to curl myself up. I had my little dog with me in my room. And I thought that I was in there for so long. I thought that I was in my room for days, like literally, like I thought it was in my room for days. And I was feeling awful because I saw my dog sleeping. And what made me feel awful was that I thought she died. I was like, I left. I've been in my stuck in my room for days and I didn't even let her out. I was like, I killed her. I was so sad. And then I saw her open her eyes and I was like, 
Okay. <laughs> and so, but it led me to being on the floor because I was like, why am I feeling so anxious? I couldn't go outside. I didn't want to go outside of my room. I felt like something was keeping me as an anchor in there. And so like what I was doing was that I was on, I was kind of like in fetal position on my floor and I was trying to figure out like, why am I feeling so anxious? Why do I feel like time is slipping by? Why do I feel like I can't control this moment? I don't, I don't know why I was thinking that, but I was having visions of like, I was trying to meditate, right. To calm myself down, to do some breathing exercises. And it led me to seeing my loved ones, my friends literally live their life. I was having visions of people who I love the most go like living their life without me because I thought I died. I thought I died in my room and such, right? I thought that time has passed. I haven't eaten for days. I haven't gone to the restroom. So I'm probably constipated and that killed me or something. And so like, I felt like I was just dead in my room. So like, what's the point of getting up? Right. And so I started seeing these visions. I started in your head. Yeah. Okay. I started seeing like my family members, my best friends, my joy, like, like joy and her son living their life. I saw them growing up. I saw my work have like ended up getting a new person in their position in my position. Cause they had, you know, someone didn't come in anymore. So they got a new person. So the main point from it, what I got was that life continues to move on even without me. And I had to face that. I was holding on to this idea that I need, I needed, no, my, my loved ones needed me or I needed them. Right. And so like, I had to get a, like step away from that ego and say like, no, even if I do die, if when I do die, like life is going to continue on without me. And that's okay. It's okay for to life to move on. Cause that's what it's going to do anyways. And so it was interesting because I kept on seeing these visions go into cycles. They were growing up and then I would kind of like snap out of it. And I try like, and I come back into focus of my like meditation, I'd see the process again, again and again. So it was like torture. I kept on seeing everybody in the world move on without me. And once I really accepted the fact, it's okay, I'm dead. It's okay. I'm going to move on. The world is going to move on. It stopped. It stopped. The vision stopped. Really? And so in that moment, I came into this light I don't want to say room or area, but I saw light and it was this peaceful atmosphere that I've felt so welcomed. I felt so at home. And to me, that's probably my version of heaven. I think that was my heaven. I got a glimpse of it. You, and and as soon as, as soon as I capsulated like the idea, oh, like I'm here, I got sucked back out. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And so like I've, had another experience where I went back, but that's a whole other story. But like, I see it now. Like, I feel like that guides me like to really go back to my heaven in a sense, my own personal heaven, knowing that that's there. I feel so secure now. I feel so secure in my life here. Like, yeah, I still have like some, you know, flaws and like flaws that I have to deal with, but so much more grounded into accepting the fact that everything comes and goes as do I, you know? And so that really established this strong foundation of impermanence, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's something that's definitely beautiful from 
like from experiences people learn through uh, like these psychedelics, specifically with psychedelics, is that it has to deal with ego dissolution. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to deal with kind of facing the fact that you're not the main character. Because mm-hmm. I feel a lot of people, everyone grows up thinking they're the main character. You know, it's like, it's kind of like the, the uh, it's kind of like growing up and realizing that your parents aren't just your parents, but they're humans who've experienced in their lives, who have their own faults, who have their own flaws, you know? Mm-hmm. And definitely, um, like, these substances are used as tools for that. And sadly, I, f- I feel like a lot of people can benefit from that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like, we're not just the main character in our world. It's funny because we are, like, the main character in our own special little lives, but we can't really continue seeing that forever because like you know all the people that we encounter in the world they all have their main characters too but we're all playing a part in everybody's story you know like you're a character in my life right now like you're a character that i'm having this like relationship with i'm having this interaction with this friendship with and this is helping me grow you know hopefully i do the same if not like we're learning from this same with your parents like they're characters in their own life and they have their own individual upbringings, which helps shapes you and stuff. But like recognizing that they are their own being and you are your own being kind of creates this beautiful mutual relationship that really takes you away from your high pedestal and understand that everyone here is also on the same platform as you are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I think this great concept of understanding that these everybody has their own character going back to Jung, he says that there are certain archetypes that we encounter in our lives. Archetypes are pretty much, he had a great way of bringing these complex ideas and bringing them into an imagery that's that us that we can recognize. So this kind of goes back to tarot cards in a sense to kind of make it a little bit easier are you familiar with tarot cards no can you elaborate please yeah so it's a a form of divinity right so like um fortune telling or you know like things like that but tarot cards is a a deck of cards that top it's like a picture book right basically each card has their own character and stuff especially especially because it's divided into areas the major arcana and the minor the major talks about certain characters right there's the fool, there's the magician, the hermit, the king, and the, um, the, the, the empress. And, you know, there's like certain characters that we're all going to face in our lives. You're going to have a mentor. You're going to be a fool. You're a fool in your own life. We're on this incredible journey. Oh, sure, fool. Girl, yeah. me too. <laughs> and stuff. And so like, but what Jung says is that we need to recognize these archetypes, these characters, so that we can understand our place in the world right like joy how i was mentioned earlier she's like a mentor she really helped me embrace the spiritual nature of me and she encouraged me to really go forth into this religious studies she is like the hermit that i needed she is the hermit is a guide who takes you to the underworld in a sense who kind of helps you guides you in a way She's like that for me, you know, so like another card or another archetype is the lovers. We're all going to be lovers one day, hopefully, you know, even if it is a short amount of time that you're with someone, you're playing that role for another person's life. And so when you recognize yourself in these roles, you can use that as a way to expand your reality, 
expand that other person's reality, help them grow. Or even in a sense, you can even use that as a way to diminish their role. But who wants to do that? Who really wants to do like evil onto another person? Use good to manipulate your reality, right? Yeah. And so when you recognize yourself in these roles or when you recognize others playing these roles in your life, it really makes reality a lot easier to live with. It's like that one Shakespeare quote where he says, the world is just a stage and all the men's and women are just mere actors and they all come in through their exits and through their entrances. That's how we all are. Everyone comes in our life in certain times and leaves. But what was the purpose of that person being in our lives, whether they were something that they didn't really do good for us, or maybe they did an an amazing job for helping us grow, there's something to learn from everything and everybody. And so all the people that come in your life, I think it's the universe trying to tell you what can you learn from them, you know? Yeah, but then, like, what's difficult with that is the, um, the ability to kind of understand, like, the impact that is being given. But that has to do with how present you are. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you're interacting with all these people, but if your mind is in a other world, what are you going to learn from them if you're not, like, aware of what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. But once you get to the point where you kind of understand how every everything you go through in life, every single person you interact has the potential to plant seeds, you know, that that makes life so much more rich. Rich, yeah. Exactly. Uh, that was a great, yep, rich. I, I was trying to think of what word is. That is amazing. Yes. And you know, to be able to be present, though, that's definitely also another challenge that we tend to forget, especially right now with the way we're living as like people in the United States and America, you know, we're so involved and we're so obsessed with getting a good job and like being financially stable and stuff that we kind of forget to kind of take a step back and be grateful and appreciative for what we have you know mm-hmm. and the fact that we are alive and it's hard to do that but definitely what helps is the people like that around you you know if you surround yourself with people that you love definitely they would do that mm-hmm. i think that like how you kind of see your place in the world or how you see the world is a reflection of how I'm so sorry. Let me actually mix that around. The people that come to you or you like familiarize yourself with or the things that you come across are all representations of how you see yourself in the world. And so it's kind of like this, like, um, how should I explain this? How you view it is how you do it. Okay. So how you view the world is only a representation of what the world is kind of giving you. And so, yeah. like, you know, like, how... There's, like, this one quote that I find it so funny, but it's so true. It's, like, it's how you vibe reflects your tribe, in a sense. So, like, whatever you put out in the world, it's coming back to you. Yeah, like, your perception is your reality, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. And so, like, if you choose to be among people who are going to elevate you, encourage you... And bring you, like, to do the things that you want to do. Those are the people you want to keep around. And hopefully you're doing the same thing for them. And if, maybe on the opposite end, if you're around people who, 
like to be always negative. They're really self-conscious or they're very critical of things that you do. You're going to end up thinking that same thing too, you know, because you're only allowing that negative energy being around your circle, you know? So like, I think when you change that point of view of understanding that you're so much more, you're adaptive, you're growing and such, it leaves room for so many others to come and help you on your journey, you know, and being present, how you're mentioning earlier, plays a huge component in all that, like being able to recognize what's going on now, right now, just being able to understand or feel what's going on right now gives you clarity. It gives you confidence, you know, not being cocky, but confidence and knowing that I'm here. I'm here with you. Whoever's listening to this, you're here with us too. This is the moment right now. And it's not only the most longest thing that we're going to be experiencing, but it's also gone just like that. You know, it's also the quickest thing. So it's very temporary. Yeah. And there's beauty in that too. Exactly. And so I think like there's many stories and religions that help you understand how do we get to that moment of understanding what's going on now that you know clarity understanding what's going on now right now yeah yeah and um there's something i want to share with you now because of that so based off of what we're saying right now with our perceptions reality and kind of like understanding how life flows about two years ago oh like just um yeah fairly in the past like four years three years i've gotten into poetry yeah, I noticed that I really like writing. I just never really practiced it too much other than having to do homework. But um, I have two poems that I really love. And they're I'm like, I've. it's funny because last year in 2020, I made like a list of goals I wanted to accomplish. And one of my goals was to do an open mic. Oh, that's cool. And I really wanted to do that last year. And I was, and I wanted to recite my poems, you know. But sadly, with COVID, I wasn't able to. But because of what we're talking about right now, I think um, I want to share one of them with you. Oh, please do. I would love to hear this. So this one's, um, it's called, uh, I call it self-love. Okay. Um, There's a kind of, um, there's a, how do you you explain it? Like an interlude or like an an interlude before going into the actual into actual poem this is really uh this poem is really weirdly formatted i don't know how i got it made it this way but there's many poets that have a weird like way of putting their poems together this is the interlude self-love you're running out of time can't you see but before i go let me tell you what's on my mind before my head explodes this is important you have to put your full time and energy to this but this doesn't have to consume your life unless you let it so this is the beginning Self-love. Open your eyes. Can't you see? Be like the Beatles and let it be. There's only one way you're truly free. I'm not talking about escaping a chain. I'm talking about what drives you insane. Your mind. It's a beautiful gift, but also a curse. When things don't go your way, you make matters worse. You overthink everything. See no escape. You create your own kryptonite and threaten your fate. You allow negative thoughts to flood your mind. You convince yourself you're running out of time. You're right about one thing. Life is too short. But you won't make it anywhere without the support of yourself because you should be your own biggest fan. Love yourself. 
by all means necessary, happiness is key. The universe, the universe reflects the way you see it. You get back what you give. It doesn't matter who you are. You must create your own reason to live. And that's the best part. Because your reason to live isn't something you find. It's something you create and comes in time. Life moves fast, but remember to take a breath. Look around you and appreciate the life that you possess. You're alive. Can't you see? Your perception is your reality. Oh my god, that was beautiful. Oh Thank my you. god, I feel like that really encapsulates like what we're kind of talking about. It really does kind of like go about like this whole area of what we're talking about, you know? Like that was so wonderfully written and great, like, ri- like rhyming too and stuff. Thank you, thank <laughs> but, you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to. This is something that I really, um, definitely, this podcast is something I definitely want to just, there's so much I, like, I, I have in my mind and there's so much that I want to share. Poetry is something I definitely planned on sharing. You know, and mm. this is like we're already six episodes in, so I think it's 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 uh I'm excited to finally share one of these pieces. I have one darker one that eventually I'm gonna share. Um, but yeah, this one was one that kind of was a, a like it's my kind of it's my mindset, you know, kind of the the ability to be positive and love yourself and understand that like it's okay to go through what you're going through, you know, just under, just be aware that, you know, your perception is your reality. What, how you feel, what, what, what like, your vibe is like, how does it change? Yeah. What you vibe is, um, reflects your tribe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. So, uh, yeah, that, um, that's my poem, self-love. I, I made that, I think in 2018 or 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. And so, like, I feel that you have such a great understanding of, like, all the hardest parts that we're going to be facing in our life. Like, yeah, it's going to happen, but how are we going to learn from that? And we can grow from that because how we view ourselves in these situations really does reflect on how we see the world. If we think that we're shitty and, like, oh, I'm always putting myself in these stupid situations. I must be stupid. I must be dumb or I don't deserve love. We think the world is giving us that, like, oh, great. Now this other asshole's coming into my life. Like, great. I'm always putting myself in this dumb situation. Like, we really feed off of that energy of what we view ourselves, you know? And, like... I don't say tell people to commit hubris by thinking like, oh, you're this huge God or anything, but you are your own God. You are the creator of your own reality. You have the universe in your beautiful body. You create things, you destroy things, you give life. And if you use that ex like externally, think of all the magical things you can do. If you want to, what does like a, what does a god do? Right, create and destroy, preserves life and stuff. Like you can do that. Do you want to make life? Like, do you want to have a baby? Do you want to plant things? Do you want to make art? Do you want to write poetry? These are all reflections of self love, or just reflections of how we view ourselves and what we're giving and what do we want to give to the world you know because it all goes in circles it all comes back to us and how we perceive everything it's so interesting because like when i was a lot younger i remember this one specific thought i had when i was a sophomore in my english class i failed a test no surprise i didn't really study for it but i remember having this thought that 
oh my God, nothing goes right for me. Whatever I want never happens. Like pretty much saying, woe is me type of thing, right? And like years and years and years later, like let's say when I was like in my early 20s and stuff, I had this like profound thought that the universe goes with what you're feeling. So how you view yourself, the universe is going to react to it. So I started thinking a lot more positive. I started really loving myself and accepting the flow of life, you know? And then it's interesting because like once I started going with that flow, started going in that river, things just happen naturally where I'm not surprised anymore. I feel, I don't feel anymore that the world is against me. I feel like I am in accordance with the world now, you know? And with the help of psychedelics, it really brought me to that idea too, you know? The world isn't after me. Like, there's not these, not everyone wants to do me harm. Like, no, like, the world is a beautiful place. Granted, there are some crazy and horrible things that happen, but, like, we can change how we view it. We can change ourselves and how do we respond to it. We don't want to always react with, you know, um, we don't want to react to things impulsively, you know, out of emotion. We want to respond like accordingly, maturely, you know, the best way that we can and such. And so like, yeah, how we kind of view ourselves in the world is a reflection of what how we see the world treats us. Yeah, I definitely agree. I uh, I kind of got to I came to this understanding that like life, you can't control everything in life. You know, you can only control yourself. But you can control yourself and your actions and your reactions and the way you respond to life. Mm-hmm. You know, ninety. Um, someone told me this in high school. I don't know who told me this, but it kind of stuck with me. Um, that two percent of life is what happens to you but 98 percent is the way you respond to it Ooh, i like that yeah hmm, you know because like the majority of what like life is your response your reactions to it you know mm-hmm. and depending on how you react and how you respond determines the way your life is is a domino effect you mm-hmm. know and if you want change you have to work for it mm-hmm. and it's not easy it's not easy and it's at not, all. It's not fast. There's no shortcut. <laughs> you know, it's something that you need to continuously work on, which is what's hard. But like being mindful and practicing mindfulness is probably like what, like a is a, is a first step. You know, it's it's a good step to becoming the best version of yourself. Yes, of course, I definitely agree with that. And there's like a lot of like Eastern religions that kind of focus on that understanding what mindfulness is and how important it is. Right? It's not just some breathing work or something no there's a deeper purpose into really capturing what mindfulness is you know like our head our mind is full of chattery thoughts we always hear thoughts you know it's normal the buddhists say that it's our monkey mind you know like monkeys are always swinging from tree to tree throwing things at each other and blah blah like things are always active that's how our, our thoughts are you know but using mindfulness techniques such as breathing techniques meditation how do you show your meditation do you do art do you like write poetry and such what we do while using mindfulness calms the monkey mind it calms us down so we're not caught in the busyness of our thoughts because it's so 
easy to. It's so easy to just stick with this one perception that we created in our head and stick with it. You know, like if you were to say something to me and I thought that was kind of rude, I probably would think like, oh, great. Now he doesn't like me or something. Or like now he's rude. I have that image. I'm stuck on that idea. But is that the reality of it? No, it's just my mind really magnet like magnifying on this one eat a little bit little idea and not all all ideas are true not all of them are true they're just like things that are just floating around and the ones that we kind of focus our thoughts on are the ones that really speak to us whether it's a negative or a positive factor of what we're thinking but i think there's a huge like importance in really trying to still the mind because when everything's very clouded in our head things are clouded when we're going on about life great like now i'll be thinking about that one even though this is hypothetical you didn't say anything rude but if you said that one rude thing to me and i'm just thinking about it all day that ruins my whole day but mindfulness really lets you hear it and just kind of yeah done. Like I don't need it anymore. Mindfulness helps you clear the way so you can see life more clearly. You can see the universe more clearly. It's like that one song. I can see clearly now the rain has gone. It's like now that things aren't so messy anymore, things are clear. You can open up that veil and really see the true essence of what reality is, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Um, I think that's a that's a good way to to end this. Mm-hmm. Wow, being mindful by definitely mindfulness is something that like takes practice on, you mm-hmm. know. And I really want to thank you for coming on this and allowing <laughs> allowing your thoughts to just you know um, just go all over the place. We and uh, I'm really happy. I definitely would love to have you back on. Definitely like talk talk more about you know religion yeah. and philosophy and. Because, and with that being said, uh, to those who are still listening, thank you. And thank you. if you're not following yet, you could always follow the podcast at Zenith underscore podcast on Instagram, Twitter. And by any chance, Victoria, would you like to share your socials or? Sure. Why not? I mean, the only thing I'm really active on is Instagram. I don't have a Facebook or Twitter and stuff, but my Instagram is underscore B-U-N-B-U-M as in monkey. S, so bun bums and such. But yeah, that's my Instagram and stuff. I mean, like if you want to like email me or whatever and stuff, you know, you could just always DM me or something. But I'm I love being able to talk about this and like I'm putting it out there in the world to your listeners, to people who are hearing this. Like, let's help elevate each other. Let's help bring everybody to a higher range of consciousness so we can make life a little bit easier for ourselves. I love listening to stories. I love meeting new people. And I personally believe that every single person that I come across has a story to tell. And I am I'm a listener. I want to hear it because I want to learn. And I'm, I hope that you do too so we can learn from each other. Yeah, you know? well, I mean, like, with, like the way life feels, I believe, it's like we live and we grow. But we do it better together. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. We need our community. We need yeah. to see the importance of ourselves to really see the importance of our community around us. Because totally. we all need to be in that higher vibration of love. God, you know? So, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such an honor. It's thank so you. fun. This is so much fun. And thank you to everyone who's still listening. So, just in case you don't know yet, 
You know where to find me at? Tazenith.